1: everybody i'm chad bokelman i'm dan kurtzky and
0: i'm mark marble and this is the lantern cast episode 439 the far Four sector
1: finale Woo-hoo! yay Hello the big 439 just like we always <laughs> hoped it would line up
0: uh well that's pretty much the the main reason dan's here because we knew that he was a big far sector fan and who else to bring on the for the finale than someone who's super passionate about the book which isn't to say that we're not because i really did enjoy far sector but uh i think i think dan could bring us to a a nice uh a nice close and some nice thoughts on it. Cause you do have a little bit more experience with it in terms of like some of like the artistic uh, cues that were given in it in terms of like anime and stuff like that. Um, uh,
1: that I thought you were going to say, because I remember the names of characters. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean that too. Uh, that, that is important in this series. We cannot deny that. It actually is quite important.
0: It's important, but let's, let's be real though. There was like two months between issues. And if you're reading anything else, good luck remembering. So whatever anyways but before we even get into that because we will talk about all that we had two things to talk about tonight uh first up i'm just going to run through some uh some some news i totally forgot uh I, I ju- it just popped into my mind as i was thinking about this by the way uh mcfarland toys uh the multiverse line is going to have a hal jordan Dawnbreaker breaker two pack that is up for pre-order right now guys if you're interested in that uh, in the new McFarland line. But specifically, uh, we're talking a little bit about Funko Pops because SDCC is coming soon, and Funko has three big sort of convention-exclusive things a year. We have Spring Convention, which is usually ECC, uh, C, and then we have uh, Summer Conventions exclusives, which is SDCC, and then Winter or Fall, which is NYCCC. So... The SDCC rumors are starting to fly like crazy. Uh, Before we get to those, right now, because we haven't talked about this yet on on air, right now, uh, you can pre-order a Funko Pop Jessica Cruz, which is Dia de los Muertos inspired. They're called the it's the Dia de los DC line. uh, Green Lantern Jessica Cruz. Uh, Funko Pop. It's really cool looking. Obviously, it's got the Dia de los Muertos kind of theme to it, uh, artistic style. But she is holding a lantern, which is really cool looking. I've already got that pre-ordered. Me personally, I pre-ordered it on Amazon. Uh, I don't think it's an exclusive, so you could really just find it Entertainment Earth or you know anywhere you feel comfortable buying something. Um, the others I'm about to mention have not yet dropped, uh, but they have been announced in some capacity. We know for sure. There's a new sort of Imperial Palace line, which is a bunch of DC Comics characters sort of dressed like, uh, I don't know, samurai in some way, shape or form. There's a Green Lantern one expected. That's Jon Stewart. Uh, I don't think I've seen any images of the actual pop, um, but there was an action figure line. Sort of. It's either action figure or statue. I'm not entirely sure which, but you can find those images online so you can kind of get an idea in your head of what the Jon Stewart will look like. Hasn't been announced uh, in terms of uh, dropping for pre-order, but that is coming. Uh, As far as San Diego, this one it's unclear if it's supposed to be San Diego or, or maybe before, but very, very soon. Expect a store exclusive, I'm going to assume Hot Topic, DC Comics Atrocitus we are getting an atrocitous Funko pop Um, because of the idea that hot topic is supposed to be having lanterns in their stores once a quarter. And this is mid June. I'm pretty sure this will be a hot topic exclusive. Although what we've seen online thus far as of this recording hasn't specifically said hot topic. That's the assumption SDCC wise. There is a white lantern Kyle Rayner expected now. I was just thinking about this earlier based on where I saw this. It may not be Kyle. Uh, It could be somebody who – So, when the photo was posted online, someone – the specific text with the photo of Kyle as a White Lantern simply said White Lantern SDCC incoming. And then it showed a picture of White Lantern Kyle Rayner. It may be someone just found a photo of a White Lantern and accompanied it with it, and then everybody else went with Kyle Rayner. Could be another White Lantern, but I'm going with Kyle Rayner based on the person who said Kyle Rayner. So there is a there is a White Lantern rumored. We know that much for sure. A uh, couple of other things just of note. Uh, I'm not going to mention the Venom stuff because that's just me. Uh, but uh, DC Comics wise, we all know I, I, I'm going to get the DC Comics shit. There's a SDCC Doctor Fate coming out, which is really freaking cool. Uh, I'm really hoping that has a metallic sheen to it because I would lose my shit. Um, If you're a fan of the Metalverse, the Drowned, that's the uh, female uh, Aquaman slash Batman crossover uh, thing, that is expected as well. And then uh, for Mark, freaking on the Marvel side, Cap Wolf. There's going to be a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Cap
2: Wolf. Yes! (laughs) Let's reserve judgment until we see it first. conceptually, I like the idea of it because I wouldn't mind. I like a man wolf pop because I like man wolf and I like and I have many Captain America pops. I'm not going to say I have every single one they've made because I don't, but I have most. So you you don't have the most important one, the wolf one. Well, maybe (laughs) I'm interested. I want to see what it looks like, but I am interested.
0: Yeah. Of the ones I've mentioned so far our guys I would say the White Lantern slash White Lantern Kyle Rayner is probably the most unconfirmed but given where this information usually comes from in the lead up to a con in terms of like Funko leaks and stuff like that they usually end up being true I'm talking like 85-90% of the time they end up being true so that's the only reason I figured we should take to the air to talk about it just ever so briefly because it's they're usually pretty on on the
2: money with these rumors. I just don't know if we really need another white lantern Kyle. Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess I guess we'll see, but, you know, could just be a regular white lantern of some kind. We have, I mean, it could literally be anybody. If it's just a White Lantern, Hal, it could be uh, Sinestro. It could be any of those of the Justice League who who Hal recruited, like just ever so briefly. It could be any of the resurrected characters who flashed White Lantern real quick when their you know job was completed in Brightest Day. It could be uh, Boston Brand, Deadman. I mean, there's so many people it could be if it's just a White Lantern. It's, it's Exeter,
2: baby. Know. We know it's Exeter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> be super weird if it was just one of the random ones that showed up for half a second. So
1: Well, they've already done. They've already done like White Lantern, Batman and Wonder Woman, right?
0: White Lantern, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Superman and Kyle. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it would be nice if it was something different. Deadman would be would be the best one, I think.
0: I agree. 100%. Okay, so um th- in the midst of all of that, today, the 14th of June, the a uh we i think we already had a trailer for star girl season two we got another one and this one showed a whole lot more stuff dan i'm gonna let you talk about it man because i found out about it because of your twitter post so you go for it man
1: what what did we see uh well you know it's it's uh it's your uh your typical you know the season's over and and we gotta kind of pick up the pieces and figure out what to do next kind of kind of trailer and it shows, it, I guess, like Stargirl, Courtney, she's had like like the Alan Scott's broken battery just kind of in her garage or something since season one. And it cuts to like nighttime at her house and the lantern just starts to glow eerily green and then cut to like, like, oh, there's somebody in the house and like a fight between in the dark with somebody who you can't see who picks up the, the lantern. And I think it was hard to tell because it was a very dark trailer, but it looks like they have the uh, a ring on and you just hear, hear a young woman's voice saying I'm Green Lantern's daughter as they shoot like a green energy beam that launches Courtney across the room. And we get like one, one shot of Jade Ring on ring in hand, battery in the other hand, eyes glowing, just like I mean, I I know Chad was very as surprised as I was that it looks like the first Green Lantern to make it to live action television is going to be Jade.
0: (laughs) Besides Guy Gardner, 1997, Justice League of America, original movie slash TV pilot. (laughs) Yeah, no, that happened. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was neither a good representation of Guy Gardner or Green Lantern or comics in general. So I don't think we're going to count that.
1: But other than that, it was great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm just I'm just very happy to see this actually confirmed by something, because up till now, like for months, if not a year now, there's been like this one set photo floating around of this actress who has been cast for Stargirl. No one would say what role she was, but you could see like her holding her coffee cup and kind of to leaning to the side is what looked kind of like Alan Scott's ring a little bit. It wasn't green. So nobody, and it was at an angle. So people weren't totally sure, but everybody's like, Oh, Jade's coming. Jade's coming. So to finally have it put to rest and confirmed just feels good. <laughs> yeah.
0: hundred uh, percent. I think it's really interesting. I think, I mean, thus far it's a trailer. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell for TV. Uh, especially, well, we, we, even further, we have to say for TV for the CW type budget uh, that that network has. I thought the effects that we did see looked pretty great. Granted, it was fast paced, and you know uh, we didn't really see a specific construct or anything like that, but it it had that emerald flame sort of effect so that's that's pretty cool i mean hell i would i would be okay with even seeing that effect from a regular green lantern but it makes even more sense with uh with alan's power
1: and obviously there are questions like oh if it's jade why does she need the ring and battery why isn't her skin green or whatever but like like it could be it could be any number of things it could be you know this is their 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 version of jade for this show that has their rules but considering how comic accurate this series tends to be with its legacy characters i would expect them to kind of skew closer to what we're familiar with than than some other past projects that have just tried to reinvent too much of it and she's probably not going to be green just because that would be
2: really really hard to make look good all the time on a TV show. They spent all their budget on that one special effect. <laughs> you can only use it twice. Make it count. It's in, it's interesting that it's Jade. Uh, I don't know how. I'm sure I'm expecting some pushback to the. Oh, I'm I'm Green Lantern's daughter as opposed to like saying who she is name wise. Like I'm Green Lantern's daughter. And then you're gonna just because it's it's kind of on one level you can it's like well that's that's kind of like it's demeaning but it's also it's like well there's a, a bunch of Green Lanterns I know if you're watching Star you'll automatically assume it's, it's Alan Scott of course but I'm just saying to the to, P, to the uninitiated who would watch the trailer it's like they would not necessarily automatically assume
1: yeah and but I mean there's also the fact that like nobody but us knows what her name is so them using her name in in like a a five second trailer would mean anything so it's like what what will people get the most out of like fi- her saying i'm green lantern's daughter that will communicate something if she they just said i'm jade or my name's jenny and this is my bad or whatever like i mean ideally like yeah it probably would have been better if they said like like oh my name is jade both. and i'm green lantern's daughter yeah. but i don't know they were the this trailer was kind of Kind of like from frenetically paced as soon as the lights went out, so they were just kind of like barreling towards the conclusion, and they still had to fit in the freaking thunderbolt. Yeah, that was. I was not expecting to see the thunderbolt. That's
0: crazy that they're going that far with this JSA stuff. Do you know who's playing the thunderbolt? Uh, I, I, the the voice sounded familiar, but no, it is Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> that, yep, that works. Um so I'm pretty sure you're right that she will be our first live action Green Lantern of any significance. Obviously we saw Alan briefly in that Superman uh, Justice Society episode, but it was like a, you know, a guy behind bars, civilian clothes, lantern ring on his finger for all of half of a second. Um, oh, in Smallville. Yeah. In Smallville. Yeah. Um, but it's, Possible somebody else might beat him to the punch in terms of John Stewart Diggle on the uh, Superman and Lois series, uh, which he's supposed to appear in later in the season. But interviews with uh, the creators and stuff like that have said that the the that episode that John is supposed to appear in gets into the mentality of where he is in his life based on everything that has happened to him to him over the last several years. So they don't necessarily make it sound like we're going to see Green Lantern in any capacity. Uh, but then again, that probably could be like a big reveal or something that they're actually waiting to drop uh, a big announcement. They're just kind of waiting to, you know, amp up viewership or something like that when they drop a, you know, next week on Superman and Lois uh, sort of an episode uh, teaser trailer. But just want to put it out there because it's possible John Stewart Diggle could, you know beat him to the punch or beat, beat jade to the punch but it's also possible that even if he appears we might not get well, gl stuff at all
1: well it gets more complicated with him too because originally the plan was for him to show up on one episode of all the shows and they and they specifically said he's going to be rep- reprising the role of john diggle but they wouldn't say that for legends of tomorrow He's going to be on that show, but they wouldn't say what character he was playing. So what I was thinking is like, okay, I don't know what they're going to do with him on the other shows. But maybe like alternate timeline, alternate universe or whatever on Legends of Tomorrow, John shows up in like and he's just Green Lantern or something like that. I don't know. And we might not know now because They have also said that their plans got messed up because of COVID and and filming schedules and stuff. So I have no idea what they're doing with with uh, John Diggle in any reality anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the quote is there was like a five episode story. It was pretty cool. And then because of availability and shutdowns and delays, it was impossible to make it make sense across the shows. There is still a through line, but it's not as A to B to C as planned. Ours is kind of a little bit more of a one-off, but thematically it still plays. That's specific to the uh, Superman and Lois. So,
1: I mean, I think it would be cool if, like, because every one of these shows has your main hero and like one or two B heroes in their supporting cast. Like, you know, Supergirl has Martian Manhunter and somebody else I forget. I think Arrow ended with with uh, Diggle and his family driving to Metropolis where they're going to live now. And that's where he found like the green glowing thing in the box. So it's like, okay, are they setting up like green lantern to be kind of like the, the number two in, in uh, this new Superman show. Is that what we're doing, that would be neat. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it could. Uh, Yeah. He was
0: packing his house by the van. It crashed like across the street, blew him into the van. He went into the crater and then somebody went to Jared and then he opened a a, a ring and a, box already uh so that was interesting mark how do you feel about it being jade because I, I like i know you're not a fan of the legion you're, you know one of one of your many arguments is you know if it was really that great of a concept they would have you know, had a consistent publishing history and you know the book wouldn't fail so many damn times the jsa kind of has the same problem so how do you feel about seeing
2: more jsa stuff I guess there is a similar, there is a consistency there, as in you could try to make the analogy that the JSA, but the JSA has such strong, I mean they both have ties to DC history, but the J, but the JSA has been shafted so much, it's like the JSA becomes like a dirty word and gets pushed off the table for like friggin' ten years, and then you try to bring it. I don't, I don't have an issue with them bringing back the J, the, the JSA. It's uh, regardless of how they, of how it's done when they do it, whether they bring, you know, we've seen them do it multiple ways in the past, whether you're bringing. It, They coexist in the same timeline timeline or same universe as the Justice League. They're in a different they're in a different one that I have no issue really with with the Justice Society. I think that's I think that's fine. It being Jade, it is kind of lame that it's Jade from multiple reasons. But considering the show that they're doing it on, I guess it makes more sense. Uh, if you're not going to bring Alan, if you're not going to do Alan himself, and you know why you're not going to do Alan since he's going to be in the uh, Green Lantern core show on H- on HBO Max, then I guess it's a way that if you wanted to have some connective tissue, which we've you know, which I guess we've heard that might be the case between the CW shows and the HBO Max shows. There may be some connected tissue, but it's so it's kind of a way to walk that line without having to do really do anything with it necessarily. Because if she's Alan's daughter, and depending on when the Alan stories take place in the HBO show, you may never have to bridge that gap and have them and and connect those two threads. If you don't want to, obviously you could. It's mic- I think it's a mixed bag with Jade. I think I think it's it's I think it is interesting. Seeing the lan Seeing the lantern is cool. Just that's why the, the like you kind of mentioned the Jessica, the Jessica Cruz pop is cool for the same reason. Cause she has a battery. That's something they should do more of. You can make a case. Almost all of these lantern pops that they're, that they're doing should come with a battery. Their respective cores should have their respective batteries because it makes it look cooler and it makes it look unique. Cause we haven't gotten those with lantern pops yet. So I am I'm, I'm pretty, I I'm open to the idea. I haven't watched Star girl yet, so I don't have a strong fight, dog in the fight either way, but it's, it's, it's interesting but again it's still pretty lame that if that that's the that could be the first one that we are getting it's probably not the most not the most the ideal choice i guess you could say but but it is what it is
0: yeah the i haven't seen stargirl yet either i have the season one on blu-ray and then of course i have my hbo max subscription so i will be watching it very soon um obviously this just draws me in even more i saw the first episode if 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 Supergirl is supposed to be the is is known as the sort of girl power slash you know in your feels a little bit more uh, a little more hopeful sort of light cousin of the of the CW verse thus far Star Girl gets it even more uh in terms of goes even further it feels more like a kid show it's again I'm only going for from that first episode uh it it or at least I don't want to say kids, but like preteen teen teen sort of, uh, aimed at least is what it feels like, because I mean, it is star girl. So that's, since that's the main character, I, I I completely get it. It, and not everything has to be made for you. I get that I'm not the intended audience for star girl. It's just, that's why I've been delayed in getting into It's because I know that I'd be watching it for the DC shout outs and see how they do that as opposed to actually being invested in the show um i suppose it's possible i become invested as we go but as of right now that's why i haven't that's why i've taken so long to watch it um but this obviously heightens my curiosity i'm just still given the characters in this why the hell do they keep saying like or we're getting the jsa together instead of going we should call ourselves infinity inc
1: (laughs) yeah um god i forgot what i was gonna say okay (laughs) good job Dan yeah oh (laughs) it's it's kind of a double-edged sword with star girl because it it does like it does skew younger in terms of its writing and its focus which can be alienating to us as we get become like the old cynical piles that comic fans always become (laughs) but at the same time it's kind of necessary for this show and it's the stories it's trying to tell to focus in on Ge- the concept of generational divides because it's literally literally a story about a makeshift second generation of justice society trying to pick up where where the original left off because they disappeared or died and you have like a lot of their villains and their like one or two mentor characters are relics of that older guard so you kind of you kind of have to lean into the kids being, as kid like as possible so that they they're blatantly like oppo- like juxtaposed to like all of the adults who are like who are more like us i guess <laughs> but um yeah i don't know i i'll be honest i watched i only watched the first episode so far and i liked it well enough the the costumes were were pretty cool the choreography was great the thing that put me off though was the, <laughs> the first episode of the show has an incredibly solemn, sad moment to the, and the background music playing is a slow version of Mbop by Hanson. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm like, I, ca- I gotta I gotta have to walk away from this for a little bit. This doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: I don't know if I'm there for that. All right. Uh, so uh, merchandise coming soon. Live action stuff coming soon. Let's talk about something that just wrapped. Far Sector by N.K. Jemison and uh, Jamal Campbell. Uh, has ended introducing us to a new lantern, and uh, that is with issue number twelve. Dan, go ahead, man, take it from here. Where where does issue twelve take us?
1: Let me tell you all a story. See, all hell is breaking loose in and above the city. Enduring Joe's digital assistant, Can Has, is in Atville trying to manage the riot that's holding back the At At counselor At at Blaze of Glory who's been behind everything really while sins and the rest of the police are trying to protect the public from the military force that counselor glory sent against the city and joe she's up in space trying to stop the military gunships getting ready to bomb to uh, bombard the city from orbit Uh, Joe has less than 20% ring power left, so she can't really afford to get into a prolonged fight, (laughs) so she jams a giant stuffed animal into the ship's main cannon and then enters the ship to try talking the captain into a ceasefire. And by talking, I mean spending the one F-bomb they were probably allowed to have because she's had it with violent hypocrisy from supposed protectors. Joe manages to convince slash threaten the captain into agreeing to stand down. And just like that, it was over. Only it wasn't really over. The battle ended, but that was just the immediate threat. At Blaze of Glory was arrested, but is still awaiting trial. Elections still have to be held to replace the entire ruling body of the city enduring. And the referendum passed to get rid of the emotional exploit, meaning that everyone will have their emotions again. But with a population this large, it's going to be a very long and dangerous period of transition back to everyone learning to live with the, live with their own emotions again. And all of these things are going to gradually change and shape the city for years and probably generations to come. But for now, Joe is content to have a peaceful picnic with Sins, who keeps her promise and takes Switch off so she can be her whole self with Joe for once, as the two have the closest thing this series could possibly give to a storybook happy ending. Only that's not the end. If there's a theme to the final issue of Far Sector, it's that something important can't be resolved by some big grand gesture. It'll take generations of gradual changes for the city enduring to truly become something better than it's been. And as for Joe, she gets a stark reminder of what we've known all along, that no matter where in the universe you go, your baggage comes with you. Your history, your regrets, a change in scenery won't help you escape them. But... Maybe it will give you perspective. So you're not exactly the same by the time you get back home.
0: For more synopsis just like this one, please visit YouTube.com
2: and search Mosaic Comics. (laughs)
1: Like and subscribe. Ring the bell.
2: (laughs) You you do do like that positive spin on everything, don't you, Dan? (laughs) 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 no we'll 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 talk we'll get into it because like i
1: that was me more just like looking at like okay wait what what really happened here that's that's not my uh that's not me saying i was completely happy
2: no no i i i know you well enough to to believe or fully that you could see the warts that, that are present in this issue but i just mean that that was a very nice really positive spin of looking at the half glass full aspects of this issue besides the art, which was fantastic. And it's oh, yeah. true. Joe, I mean, and Joe with braids is a good look. <laughs> she, I don't yeah. think she's, I don't think she's ever looked prettier than she did in during the picnic scenes. And from that point going on, but yeah, I, I, I think that is the most optimistic, positive spin on, on this, on this issue. And there are some, and it's a good character piece for Joe. It is. It a is. Good.
1: And, it, and I originally, I was going to do just like a straight up like, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. But then I'm like, you know, if I don't drill down into it a little bit, there's nothing to really say in the synopsis. So let me just kind of like, let me dial into what seems to be the creative intent behind this issue. While synopsing. synopsis, synopsizing it,
2: synopsizing <laughs> Wrapping it up. <laughs> Summarize it. No, I know I, you took it. It was a good, it was a good approach. Uh, what do you, what do you think, Chad? Uh, So I, I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um,
0: Far sector for me, it's, it's been fun. I, I can't wait to read this thing in the hardcover collected edition. Uh, That's coming out. Thank God they're doing this in one big trade uh, as opposed to splitting it up in any capacity because Mark, you mentioned it a little bit already. Holy God, Jamal Campbell killed this entire series front to back. Look, I, I know, like, we got a new Lantern, um, you know, and and yet in the midst of getting a new Lantern and, and potentially the uh, anger or whatever other emotion could come with, oh, my God, another freaking Lantern from Lantern fans like us? Like, you still made us, at, at least I feel like, uh, Mark and I and, and, and Dan obviously fee- have gotten to the point where we actually like Joe. Like this is a, we went from, Oh my God, another King lantern to oh this character's pretty cool. And that's no small feat. Um, so obviously NK Jemison's storytelling and stuff and, and the way she scripts and plots and the ideas she has and the way she gives voices to her characters is obviously doing its job here, but Holy God, you know, on my side of things that I just really freaking love the Jamal Campbell art i don't feel like i mean obviously there are moments that are less intense than others um but i don't feel like artistically jamal slipped up once in this thing i really like i'm gonna have to go back and like listen to our coverage of you know uh, each issue and stuff like that just to make sure there wasn't a moment where i was like "Eh, that looks a little weird or something like that but but you know hindsight being 2020 sort of thing i feel like this is going to look like one hell of a consistent book all the way through and it really helps that obviously it seems like jamal colors his own stuff um and speaking of colors holy shit this issue because for those of you not aware out there specifically regarding covers uh the, the cover the covers here uh for cover a cover b of issue 12 they don't really apply to this but usually speaking certain types of variants and stuff, uh, or just even main covers will catch people's eyes. And some of those things are like tribute covers that are, you know, homages to old covers, uh, classic covers in comic history. Uh, some of them involve like, is there music on the cover in some capacity? Um, ABC, you know, is there a gorilla, you know, some sort of theme like that uh, is also something that really sells covers of issues. Another thing that really, uh, and I, I've talked about this with a couple of different LCSs, Another thing that really sells well for people is is the color scheme of purple, pink, and blue. When those things are all sort of present, either on a cover and even still, though, to a lesser extent, in the comic itself, it seems to boost your sales for some way. I've found myself over the past couple of years, I the, the purple, pink, and blue thing, I don't know what it is, but it's true. It totally draws my eye, and I am much more likely to be, oh, shit, that's a cool-looking cover and I've got a few of them, like a variant to one of the issues of the mini deaths of Layla Starr and so on and so forth. But the reason I mention it is because they use the purple, pink, and blue stuff here a lot during this whole issue. And it really makes the green pop, um, And which is saying something considering the green that she, of, of the constructs and stuff that of just the energy that she's using is more pastel. So – it 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 still feels intense despite was despite that pastel feeling and because universally speaking, anytime danger is happening or you know we're we're in uh we're in combat mode. Red means alert, and so there's lots of purples, pinks, blues, and reds just all over this emergency situation. And it really makes all the shit she's doing just explode with color, even when it's just her on the page and not necessarily the energy she's using itself. So that's cool, too. I thought it wrapped... Look, I don't want to say it wrapped anticlimactically, but it kind of did. Like, there really was... No, like not Dan even mentioned it in his recap, there really was no solid conclusion. It was just like, well at the same time, it sort of makes sense. It's a political situation. This is the way this city has always been run. That you, you expect it to change overnight, like it, the, the way this situation played out. What about any of these characters made you think that something was going to happen that made them all go, "Oh, we were so wrong for all these millennia"? <laughs> it suddenly changed their ways. I guess you know that doesn't make any sense. So whatever. But so that, I, that's the only that's the only criticism I could give it. Is it did f- sort of feel like it didn't. Ends, um, but I guess that's sort of the point. Given the story that was being told, like I said, with the politics, but also given where the future of Joe lies, uh, because you know, NK Jemison isn't writing her right now, you know, moving forward. So she doesn't know what's going to happen to her own character.
2: It much like the last episode we recorded when uh, we we talked about if it feels you know feels forced, like when you, we were talking about Joe or uh, Joe pretty much arriving and taking charge and it's like oh it, it feels somewhat forced it's like and i said well it feels somewhat forced because it was forced <laughs> this it feels anticlimactic because it is anticlimactic you got to look at the last two issues and, and put them in, put them in context the majority of our understanding of what was really going on the full magnitude of what was going on in this book we got last issue in an info dump and exp- a lot of exposition in issue 11 and we and we left that issue with the big threat Joe going off to take to, to deal with the fleet who and this issue what she ends up talking down it's but well, it's Mars' brother right she ends up who's in charge that she ends up talking down uh, uh, sister I think was it a sister that was a, that was a, oh. the, 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 the head of the fleet was it was a chick I think so I thought I thought maybe a, not I thought it was I, you could be right I for some reason I thought when I read it either way well the, I well, we can yeah whatever. Out. Yeah, it's not really either way, but uh, that she's able to deescalate that situation, which I thought was interesting, too, because in a way she's kind of taking can be c- construed as a lot of anti establishment rhetoric. At the same time, she's kind of using probably techniques that she learned it, as being part of the establishment about how to, how to deescalate this, or to try to deescalate a situation before instead of going in with all guns blazing all the time. But it is. I mean, it's like the first seven pages or so of the issue. And, and, and then is resolved. Now, all the action takes place like in the first like maybe three or four, five pages when she, until she gets into the ship. Then you have a lot of exposition between her and, and the ship's captain who agrees to stand down. Then you have like a lot of these little like mini epilogues, almost like a Lord of the Rings kind of thing where you find out how the how the election turned out. And you have all the and all the all these different things. You have Joe, you know, Joe and her picnic and her rendezvous. And then you also get the end, which maybe was being set up purposely by Jemison in case there was going to be a sequel to this, maybe long before we knew what 5G, Infinite Frontier, Future State was going to be, when, you, when it seems like also anticlimactic that Joe's, Joe kind of drops this really, like in the last page of the book. Oh, and I, and I have to stay here for six more months, that her, her beat on the city enduring has six more months in it, which would seemingly indicate this probably it was opening the door to tell another story. If, if DC wanted it and they approached her and said, Hey, would you like, you know, this did really well. Would you like to, are you interested in doing another story? It's like, funny you should mention that? Because I, I, that's why I purposely did this. It seems anticlimactic. The last two issues I think seem anticlimactic. It was not, it's like, we got the full, we got the full painting of the picture, all the brushstrokes of what was going on as an info dump last issue. And then this issue, pretty much everything gets resolved in the first half to third to half of the book. And then it's all little. And then it's like, so it's like so it slows down a lot, which is good for a character piece. And it's a good cat. And it's, and it's a good reflection upon Joe as a character and, and the stuff with her dad, you know, her dad sending her the, the, the message and things like that. On, on like the tablet or whatever. That was that was that was that was, that was cool. I, I enjoyed it. So as a character piece, I enjoyed it. I thought. I thought it's a wrap up from the story, if you look at the last couple of issues, it kind of did not it didn't go out with a bang. I don't think. And I I still like this Joe better than and I think this is much more natural than what we're getting in uh, the Green Lantern book, even though it's not like the character been being written completely different. But it's also anticlimactic or problematic for me is as, as we kind of de- I think we all really expected this. This story ends and again, we get no ties to the Guardians. We get no tie, even her Guardian. No tie to the core, which on the on the positive, if you want to look on the positive side, at least we can safely take it to the bank that the ending of the story was not manipulated to try to fit into future state and infinite frontier, which we can't 100 percent say about the Morrison book that maybe maybe Morrison was always no matter what came next, was willing to and planned on handing off the baton. But you but you definitely had that part of that last couple of issues of that book where he was clearly setting up the new status quo as much as possible. And this book completely ends on its own. So you pretty much can take it to the bank. This is the story Jemison wanted to tell and, and, and it ended the way she wanted to tell. So that is a positive, but I liked it. I do think the book, I don't think like the last third of this series was as strong as the beginning part and maybe the first half. So that's, that's, that's the only negative that I would, that I would say.
1: Yeah, this is, it's my Chad's been talking for a long time about, how this series is going to read so much better in one single volume where it's all together, all straight through beginning to end. And this is the issue that really makes me feel that, because I think if I had to point to one issue in this series that suffers from being read on its own, it's this one. And part of that might just be like how how the pacing feels because like the the first half of this issue, Feels like feels more like it's just the end of last issues conflict. And then the second half of this issue is something else that we don't have nearly enough time to play with. Like, you know, these these creators love putting it, drawing uh, inspiration from anime and something I wish they did, which is my favorite thing an anime series ever does is wrap up the storyline in the second to last episode, and then devote the entire final episode to the aftermath or flash forward a few months or years and catch up with everybody. Like finish the plot and then focus entirely on the characters and where they live and their their new status quo, since this is probably the last time we'll be seeing any of them in it. And to me, like the fight scene in this the scene in this issue, it was really cool and it was beautiful and it was some of the most like the most vibrant and starkly contrasting colors we've seen. Like like you do not like you look at page one and two of this book, you do not associate any of that color with this series. And I think it was smart of them to hold that back until the end so they could make maximum impact. But at the same time. It didn't have as like nearly as much weight as the implications of everything that came after it. And like for this for this issue, it felt like the the pacing was just kind of like it wasn't really doing it any favors, I don't think. and i'm really I'm really conflicted about how they chose to end it just because like I so for a long time now, one of my biggest fears for the ending of this book was that they were going to come up with a way to fix everything and that they would end up betraying everything they'd been saying and building about the complex, the complexities of living in this kind of society under this kind of system and how, you know, we expect, we expect a green lantern story to end with a green lantern showing up and, and giving one massive push that saves the day. And how can you, how can you, 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 make those two concepts fit, you know? You know, I I keep telling the people, you know, you're complaining about them inventing inventing Joe for the series. This is the kind of book that could not happen. This story could not happen with someone like Hal Jordan as the main character. He doesn't know how to navigate this space. So I part of me really likes and appreciates the fact that it ended kind of open-endedly because for all Joe's done over these 6 months she didn't actually fix anything or resolve anything like her biggest achievement was the um well i guess <laughs> i guess stopping that captain from nuking the city counts as a pretty big achievement but uh the uh, the only other like real long term thing she accomplished was the the abolishing of switch off But even that isn't really a thing she herself did. She was like one cog in the machine that that slowly got there. And I think that's cool. But at the same time, I got to the last page of this this issue and turned it expecting more comic and didn't find it. So I would and and I kind of I do kind of appreciate the fact that among all of the things left unfinished was her planned year long tenure as a Green Lantern. And it ended in the middle of her first time saying the oath. And I think I'm, I'm really curious to reread this series now straight on through because the more I like, the more I think about and talk about this issue, the more I appreciate it. But the first time through, I definitely walked away from it thinking, all right, well, this is not the ending I expected or wanted.
0: Yeah. It just, I, again, I, I'm really looking forward to, and I'm definitely going to talk about it on air when the the trade comes out and I've had a chance to read it um, all the way through. I definitely, you know, yeah, if, if, if anything, at the end of the day, it made me curious about N.K. Jemisin's work. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'll talk about it on another episode about what all happened, you know, uh, comic book shopping-wise and all that stuff when I went to visit my uh, family in the Pacific Northwest. But one of the things I was looking, uh, giving a try at least, I was in uh, Powell City of Books in in Portland. I specifically sought out N.K. Jemisin books as one of the things I was like, I'm going to take a look and see what what she's got there. The premise itself of I think the trilogy she's most famous for didn't really seem to pull me in. I do this weird thing where I grab a novel off the shelves instead of reading the first few pages. I like open it to the middle and see if like, you know, because usually by then the artist or the, the writer has hit their stride uh you know they've they've got their pacing going the story is real set up everything's kind of flowing very smoothly uh in in the in the story so i try to see how the writing style kind of does it does it catch my eye does it pull me in uh it didn't do that for me but that's she's she's just as it seems like she's just as detailed in her you know uh, prose work as in terms of building a world names for weird places and things and so on and so forth so uh it didn't make me curious and she uh, to read more from her hopefully she gets more dc work it for sure sold me as a fan on jamal campbell because if you guys have been paying attention to anything jamal campbell does lately it seems to just really hit and for me personally that means the nightwing variants that he's done holy god have those been impressive He's done a couple of other things which escape me at the moment. I'm not gonna sit here and waste our time by trying to research him. But he's done a Naomi.
1: Couple
0: of... Oh yeah, no way. Naomi. Yes. But uh, in terms, in terms of uh, he's done a couple of other actual covers and uh, things like that uh, recently on other series that have 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 caught my eye uh, and I've picked up uh, as well. He it's just almost there. Oh, um, he's done a lot of the variants for the 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 other history of the DCU, uh, books. Um, the cover B for those, uh, those have been really impressive as well. Um, so yeah, I'm a huge fan, and and of course now I I, I like the character of Joe. Um, they gave us obviously that six months there at the end, so. I'm assuming since she was heading towards Oa, either A, the relationship ended and she needed to, she just figured contracts up. I'm out of here. Uh, or the guardians called her back. Did they, they, it didn't really make it clear. She said she was already on her way back, but she didn't say why. Right. In in the green lantern series. Right. Yeah. So you know.
1: that could, I mean, that could be immediately after the last page of this issue, or it could be six months after we really don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She was already on her way back. So is it, the six months and, you know, the relationship ended and she's like, uh, well, I needed an excuse to get off anyways. Was she called back or did she the relationship end? And she just said, fuck it, I'm out of here uh, <laughs> when it happened uh, two months from now, three months from now, whatever. Um, but, you know, uh, I, honestly, I mean, I know it's, it's in, in some ways it sounds very Larflees of me, but like I just honestly I can't wait to have this thing on my shelf. I think it's going to look cool. Uh, I think the hardcover is going to look great. I think the, I mean, it just, it's going to look like a cool ass book. If anybody comes over to my apartment and is like, you know, wants to borrow a book or something, or they, they crash here and they want to read something and then they pull that off the shelf. I guarantee you someone's going to go, this looks cool as shit. And uh, maybe flip through it because I mean, I, I was just very impressed all the way through of the art. And it, it's not like the only problem I had with the story and the writing was the fact that, you know, it was two months or roughly two months between issues, and I kept, you know, it's it's a very detailed book, and you know, I I'm as as much of uh, as invested as I may be in a story. I'm sorry, unless I write down the notes, <laughs> I'm not going to remember all these names and places, especially when you make them complex, like you know, as as these names uh, of these characters uh, are. So I, I remember Joe, and I remember can Has. That's about it you know, cause those names are simple. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I, I just, uh, I, I enjoyed the crap out of it. And, uh, some of the pacing and the, some of the issues were weird because of the, the spacing, but I don't think any of the actual quality of the storytelling itself suffered, uh, overall again, like I said, ended with the whimper, but we kind of already discussed the, the hows and whys of that. But, um, I, I, I was, I just, I feel top to bottom. This is a, a great effort and I'm glad to have it.
2: I think that's a, I think that assessment is, is pretty dead on. I, I like the book overall. I like, I still like Joe. Again, what they're doing with Joe and Green Lantern is, it's a different take as far as, because it does feel forced uh, of her role in the Green Lantern Corps. Now, when she, again, this book reestablishes the way it ends, that she has no ties at all to the Green Lantern Corps other than so even her saying the oath is kind of weird to be perfectly honest, other than the fact like a rite of passage kind of thing. It seems it does seem weird because it really does come out of the blue. So I, I, I enjoyed the book overall certainly during the time it was, it was running concurrent with the Morrison book. There's no doubt this book was still more enjoyable, you know, issue in and issue out. I wish it had ended stronger and I would in a way I would much rather have a continuation of the story see what happened during the last six months than to have her jammed the way she's being jammed into the Green Lantern proper series right now. But we'll see how that turns out too.
1: I'm looking forward to going back through this and I guess this time paying more attention to Joe's personal arc because like when she got that that uh, email from her dad, it made me realize like, oh, she there was at least one or two other times in this in these 12 issues where she either did or couldn't receive mail from home and it you could tell it affected her but we didn't really have the context to know why it affected her and just sort of of brushed it off and then i look at things like like her art her um trying to talk the captain here into into ceasefire and it's such a direct parallel to what happened with the uh the police shooting opening fire on the protesters in the middle of this series where it's like this, this, the final confrontation in this book came down to Joe having to convince someone in a position of power, who's supposed to be serving the people not to abuse that power by using excessive force in response to a problem without a clear answer. And, and that's in the context of she got her ring the day she got fired from the police for for i think it was for speaking out against her partner who was using excessive force so it all ties back for her and at the same time the only like as much as she's trying to to squash this behavior in others the only way she can successfully stop it is by continuing to do it herself because when she is when she is making this moral argument to this ship captain she is she is raising her ring at this captain's face, asking them, "Are you a are you something that I have to defend this city against?" Like it's it's kind of like how like I think a few issues ago she was questioning somebody that was captured and and whipped up a construct baton. Like I don't think she would go through with it, but the fact that it's kind of kind of wired in there for her to go there is is a tremendous deal. And I, I don't know. I, kind of, I want to, I want to pay more attention to that aspect of her, especially since it's not something that they gave her some grand epiphany or ability to, to step back from.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I, I, I'm actually curious to hear Mark's take on that because like, I think one of the concerns was, was uh, how social justice warrior are we going to, get with this series and we got there a couple of times um uh, but never really as intense as maybe some of us were expecting at least based on either interviews or solicit text usually interviews mark how do you feel about that aspect of it now that we we've reached this conclusion
2: i think your assessment is correct i think and it's not from my perspective it's not like there weren't a few times let me back it up a second your your overall assessment is correct i think they didn't do it as much or to the extreme that I expected them to or we may have expected regardless of our take on it based on exactly what you said. Things that we things that were said before and what we thought this book was going to be about. I think there was a fear or an expectation, depending on one's perspective, that we were going to get a lot more of that stuff than we got in this book. So I, I'm, I was so I was pleasantly surprised overall that it was not as heavy handed as certainly it could have been. It doesn't mean there weren't times that I do think it was a little heavy handed, even the stuff that we got. But it wasn't it was walking that line. But that, that's fine. When, when you if you're not being beaten over the head with it constantly, 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 then it's easier to which is probably from a, even a storytelling perspective. That's the better way to get a point across using using some subtlety, using some subtlety subtext and not and not necessarily no pun intended painting everything in shades of black and white all the time that this side's always good and this side's always bad that it's easier to to try to get that what you're the real point of what you're trying to get through to people it's easier for that to even if it's seeping in as opposed to like being bango, you know being poured into your ear that it's more like it's like a slow seeping into your pores it's easier and more effective i think that way to, to make To have people not necessarily have the epiphany doesn't have to be an epiphany just to make somebody stop and think and look at things maybe from a slightly different perspective and be more open to more to looking at things from that perspective down the road. So I think overall the book, I think it was successful in that, in that goal or in that aspect. So, I mean, I think it helped that they did that. The book, the book began, they didn't, they didn't pound us over the head with that early on, just kind of, in a way, even like the Morrison book didn't kill us right away. The very first issue of the Morrison book wasn't as completely batshit crazy as many of the other issues turned out to be. But he tended to start a little slow to get to get your feet wet before like he like start before he like pushed your head under the water. So I think the fact that the book started off with a lot more subtlety, or establishing the characters and the, trying to establish the world that and, and that they lived in, I think that I think that helped along those lines. So overall, I think. This was effective storytelling. This wasn't this wasn't like in your face all the time. And as as we were referenced when we get when we do the next Alan Scott story from the from the Pride book, when we talk about the like difference in storytelling, regardless of where these these stories appear, which does matter, by the way. But the fact is the reality is different kind attempts of at of storytelling and subtlety versus no subtlety at all. That I think this I think this approach by Jemison in this book was very successful overall
1: so i mean i think at a certain point if somebody doesn't want social justice then what are you doing reading science fiction you know like the whole the whole like genre is like the bones of science fiction is is thinly veiled societal commentary like hey we're gonna we're going to invent alien races to represent these countries, but you know what they represent, right? Everybody. Okay. Let's go. I mean,
2: like they, oh, go ahead. No, no. Okay. You finish. I thought you were, I thought you were giving a natural pause. Go okay, ahead. You finish and I'll come back.
1: Oh, uh, there's nothing natural about me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think when people, when people are, are, when people like react to the idea of like or knowledge of like, oh, there's some some social justice concepts in this story. They're reacting to like the almost the almost cartoonish version of what like what the SJW has become on the internet. When what it means when it's done right is something like this, where it's like, hey, let's let's skillfully tell a good story that does not shy away from or oversimplify too much actual issues that everybody can relate to and use our weird fiction to to put some of that under a microscope and play around with it and explore what it means and what it does to people like you know you want you want to see like like you want to see good social justice in comic books read any good x-men story that has ever been written like those characters exist 100% for the purpose of of being literal social justice warriors. Like, there's no hyperbole in that.
2: (laughs) I would agree that when it's done well, like in this book, and when it's and and it's just used, especially classic early X-Men as a as a good example why they were created to begin with. That then that yeah, it, it it works when it's it's what I think the problem when you get into is when it's like you said, so cartoony, so heavy handed. And so there's is, is a difference also when you're trying to get a point across to make people think about things in a different light or like, see see how you're reacting to these characters, treating these people in this situation. Now think, now put it in the perspective of of our life, our society and does that? And what do you think about that? There, there's subtlety to that. I think what bothers people is when it's like there's no subtlety, it's completely over your head I mean, completely pain pounded, pounding you over the head with it and also making it clear that from our perspective, there's no there's no room. There's no middle ground to look at it from from it's just boom, boom, boom. This is right. This is wrong. And I'm not talking about you know basic concepts of every but pretty much everybody agrees with are right and wrong. But a lot of things in life are not that clear cut. But the worst kind of social justice warrior stories are. Or where somebody just takes their political agenda and makes it cl- makes it clear that from their perspective that there's no room for discussion, which is the whole thing that we've talked about before too, on the idea that oh you have to agree with me or you're the worst person on the face of the earth. When that kind of stuff comes across, and that's the and that's the way stories are presented, then that's what that's what tends to get people upset. I think so when you when people get when people hear that a book is going to have some of these themes unfortunately because of how society's been lately that's what we kind of a lot of people expect they expect it to be very heavy-handed which in a way when it's not heavy-handed it makes the story even more successful and work well like let's say like this story does
0: agreed um all right anybody else have anything to say about uh this issue or just the finale of the series as a whole
1: this book is great i i want it on the record that i am not one of those those green lantern fans chad talked about up up top where i started this i started this out seeing a brand new green lantern and thinking cool let's see what she's about like like i love the fact that they created a brand new character to tell this story because nk Jemison had a very clear idea of the story she wanted to tell and instead of shoehorning an existing character in there where she would either have to compromise her story to suit that character's personality or write that character out of character to fit the story, which would make everybody mad. Like, neither of those options were good options or would work. So instead, she created Joe, a character that could be specifically built for this story. And as a result, we got a book that, you know, (laughs) I'll check in with you after I reread the whole thing again. This is easily one of my favorite Green Lantern books of all time. Like it is leaps and bounds ahead. like I've I haven't read every Green Lantern run ever or all of all of them. This has jumped close to the beginning of the line. It is incredible. and if if and Mullen never appeared again, I would be satisfied with this run. I'm very happy that she is continuing on. It makes me wonder if we're going to see that uh that six month that remaining six month uh, time limit of hers come back up again but uh no i am i am incredibly happy with this year's worth of comics from these creators and i hope to god they collaborate on something else again
2: read far sector
0: yeah all i can say is what i've said before i can't wait to have it on my shelf
2: it was a good book it was a good it was for people who were afraid oh yeah do we need another green lantern another earth green lantern uh we still need more information about I think her ring and everything, which who knows when we're going to get the guardians of missing in action surprise and green lantern, but overall it was very successful and it's a good, and it and it shows you how you can do a good story with a new, with a new character and not make it seem superfluous.
0: For sure. Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show to do this with us. Uh, Mosaic comics over on YouTube. What do you got coming up?
1: Uh, well, as, as we were recording this, I have a video going up tomorrow celebra- celebrating, we'll say, the 10-year anniversary of the Ryan Reynolds movie, which that was a decade ago, if you can believe it. Uh, immediately after, I'm taking a look at the what I'm calling the DC Pride of Green Lantern Alan Scott, looking at every appear, everything related to that character's appearances since he has reemerged in the the uh, Infinite Frontier era and comparing and contrasting that to the last time they tried to make a version of Alan Scott Gay and what makes this different? Um, then we're gonna take a look at at just the history and overall like backstory of Jade and Obsidian just in time for Infinite Frontier to kick off. That's gonna involve all of them in a major way in the DC universe. So if you're like Mark and you can't get enough of Jade, you're in luck because she's gonna be all over the comics all summer long, too. Um, and it's actually kind of funny now that I think about it. I have barely talked about uh, Far Sector at all on my channel because I never intended to do individual issue reviews. And by the time I changed that, the book was almost over. So there will be a tons and tons of Far Sector on my channel eventually. But for all that, go to YouTube.com or the app, search for Mosaic Comics.
0: Like, sub and subscribe and hit that <laughs> bell to get notifications.
1: Yes. Tell your friends, tell your enemies as long as they like comics. All okay. <laughs> as long as they
2: watch, he doesn't care at all. <laughs> and if people want to reach out to us, uh, how do they do so? Lanterncast.com. The web, the email address is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast to track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We are on all those platforms. So please leave us a positive review on all the platforms you listen to us on. And last but not least, a voicemail or text. Feel free to send us either one at 708 Lantern. 708Lantern 708 and let us know what you think. All right, guys. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night.